Aren't your worship team amazing? They're so good, man. Man, you're supposed to clap bigger than that. You guys are incredible. Well done, guys. Thanks. Look how cool they are. They don't even acknowledge the applause. They're just walking off the platform. Yeah, we're cool, we're cool. Just incredible. You know, your worship ministry at Equippers Church has absolutely changed our church back at home. It really has. Uh, we're not on Equippers Church, but about 10 years ago, I found one of your CDs. Uh, it was Equippers Revolution, the original. You know, this is a revolution. I sound so English when I sing that, don't I? Does anyone know that song even in this house? Okay, I feel like I might be the biggest fan. In fact, you know what? When we were tracking through Australia, when we got to the customs control in the airport, uh, the woman at the passport desk said to my children, they said, what are you most excited about seeing in Australia? Thinking of all the amazing things in Australia, like the Opera House and the bridge. And my kids were like, Equippers worship. I was like, that's awesome. You guys have an amazing praise culture. Don't take it for granted. It's incredible. In Psalm 22, David says this, that the Lord is holy and he inhabits the praises of his people. And so you know what? So often in church, we're willing to settle for visitation. But when you really get a culture of praise, you can actually have habitation. You can have the presence of God just saturating your life. And uh, so whether you're 10, 20, or 100, here to any 100-year-olds in the building? No, not today. Maybe in the next service. Someone just pointed to someone next to them. I don't even want to follow that up because that's embarrassing. Um, but you know what? Cultivate a spirit of praise in your world. And can I say as well, you need to get to shout 2020. Uh, me and my family were there this year. And I'm telling you, me and my wife have been to probably thousands of conferences. But shout 19 was the best one we have ever been to in our life. I'm not just buttering you up. I have no reason to do that. This will probably be the only time I ever get invited to speak at your church. So I'm just saying, Shout 2019. Yeah, you just wait. You'll see why. Uh, in Shout 2019, uh, just incredible. Uh, I even looked at how much it would cost because every October we do something as a church. We run our own conference. And I was thinking after Shout Conference, maybe I can get all of our people to shout. And I did some quick kind of ticket fare kind of searching and got a calculator out and realized it cost about two and a half million pounds. Uh, so I was like, oh, maybe not. Maybe I'll just come on my own then. Uh, but you guys who live in Auckland, make it a priority to get to Shout 2020. It has the potential to change your life and rock your world. So I've got three boys anyway. I'm my wife somewhere. I don't know if she's in the venue or not. Got three boys, Caleb, who's eight, Judah, who's five, and Zeke, who is two. Judah's my favorite, without a shadow of a doubt. You're supposed to be honest in church, aren't you? No? Okay, awkward. No, he's my favorite today just because he was the last one to get out of bed this morning. So it changes daily. Uh, but yesterday, we went to see the Maori. Is that how you say it? Maori? Like, I get quiz. Maori? I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, but we went to see this village with kind of what, like native people from New Zealand. Uh, I just go around it that way, the back doorway of talking about it. And um, my kids got so inspired by what they saw, they did their own little hacker. Do you want to see it this evening? Do you want to see it? All right. Okay, it's on the screen, hopefully. And again. Uh, so good, so good, so good. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say it's a good day to be alive in the house of God. Come on. That was a long thing to say, but that was fun. All right, open your Bibles to Acts 12. We're going to jump straight in. You know what? I've been a Christian now since I was 18 years old, and I'm now 34, which I guess by my quick maths, I'm quite clever. That's 16 years. Um, 
And if you've been in church just a little while, uh, you've probably heard a series or maybe just a message called But God. Because through the scriptures, when you read the Bible, you kind of see that we have a God who shows up in people's moments of need. We heard it from the woman who gave testimony just a moment ago about she was praying and seeking the Lord, and she had a but God moment. So if you don't believe me, let me just read some examples to you. Paul says this in Ephesians 2. You were sinful, messed up, broken, last up the creek without a paddle, hopeless, gratifying the sinful nature, and deserving of wrath, but God. Everyone say, but God. Because of his great love for us, made us alive with Christ. And everyone says... Amen. We love that. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Genesis 50, we read this about the life of Joseph. You intended to harm me, speaking to his brothers, but God intended it all for good. David says in Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Is anyone happy tonight that they worship a God who butts in? When I was 17, I was up the creek without a paddle. I wanted to be a rock star. Thank goodness I didn't pursue that because Bruce Monk would have been like casting demons out of me this morning. But, um, you know, just incredible. And by the way, how amazing are your leaders? They're just phenomenal. Pastor Sam, Kathy, Bruce, and Helen. Just phenomenal. Our family and our church has definitely been monked, and we look forward to being monked more in the days ahead. But I love the fact that God is a God who shows up in our moment of need. Throughout the scriptures, the writers are quite clear to say, like, this was your predicament before Jesus, but then Jesus got involved and everything changed for the better. And I love that. There's so much preaching potential in that message because everyone wants to hear about the God who butts in, the God who shows up in our moment of need. But tonight, I'm going to preach on something different. I want to talk about but the church. It's kind of important because I think so often in our worship gatherings and in our prayer gatherings, we're looking to heaven and we're saying, oh, just a move of God, a move of God. And sometimes I just wonder if God's in heaven going, yeah, come on, come on, a move of people, a move of people. I just wonder what things in our world can only be moved by us because God has anointed and appointed us with the Spirit of God to shift things in our atmosphere, right? There are some things in your world that maybe you are saying, God, can you bring this down? And you know what? Sometimes God does work like that. But actually, he has already anointed you with his Holy Spirit to bring it down yourself. I mean, if you weren't in the message this morning, Bruce, Pastor Bruce was on fire. You need to listen to it. You know, I was really praying that it would be a duffer so that I would sound better this evening. But it was a good message. And really, it's all about how you get breakthrough and how you see people healed and walk free. And it's incredible. But I just want to talk about tonight this but the church idea. So open your Bibles to Acts 12. Listen to this. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. This was bad. Persecution breaking out all around Jerusalem and Israel and the early church was backed up in a corner. Herod intended to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John... But this is an important character in the early church. James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword... Uh, Herod was an egomaniac. In other words, he wanted to do anything that was going to propel his uh, popularity. And when he saw that killing James, the brother of John, uh, with the sword met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. 
So we kind of got a taste of popularity. It's like, oh my gosh, the people love this. They like the fact that I'm purging out the early church. Who can I go for? Who's the most prominent figure in the early church? And without doubt, I would say it was Peter. Peter was a key player in the early church, and now Herod has got him. We read that this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That just seems heavy-handed for somebody, doesn't it? Like 16 soldiers. But we read on. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So this is the predicament of the early church. James, the brother of John, has been martyred for the cause. Peter, now a prominent leader in the early church, has now been arrested, and he has been guarded by 16 soldiers at the command of Herod. And we read in this passage that he's totally intending to do the same to him. And in this moment, what we really need is a but God moment. That's what we need. We need the God who butts in to rock up, show up, and change the circumstances. That's what we need, but it's not what we see happen. Look at the next verse. Can you put it on the screen? So Peter was kept in prison, but the church. Everyone say, but the church. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church, the church was doing the only thing that it could do in this moment. And it was fervent, it was constant, it was totally focused, it was totally committed, it was unshakable, it was unbreakable. The early church had gathered to pray. Awesome. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. But the interesting thing about Acts is that Acts shouldn't really be read as a standalone book because the person who wrote Acts, Luke, also wrote the book of Luke. Surprise, surprise. And so actually, really, you want to read both books together, Luke and Acts. Really, Luke is like the hand and Acts is like the glove. So everything we see play out in Acts is really, in practice, what Jesus has been teaching in the book of Luke. So open your Bibles to Luke 11, please. Kind of interesting because yesterday this was in my Bible reading and I thought, this is awesome, this fits so well. So the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? It's kind of interesting, because these disciples have been following Jesus for a while now, and they'd seen Jesus do incredible, miraculous things, like uh, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, healing the sick, setting captives free. Yet they didn't ask, hey, Jesus, can you teach us to do the miracles? Hey, Jesus, can you teach us to, to kind of write killer sermons? What they actually said is, will you teach us to pray? Because what they had seen was a connection, a supernatural connection, between Jesus' praying and Jesus' fruit, okay? So they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. So Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that we know so well, our Father who art in heaven. We know it so well. Jesus teaches them that prayer, a communal prayer. But then he tells them this funny little story in verse 5, Luke 11. He says, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. Literally, if your friend is like that, get new friends, because that's a rubbish friend right there. Verse 8, I tell you, Jesus says, even though this kind of heavy-handed, harsh, unfair, unloving person won't get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, say shameless audacity, 
In other words, because of your relentless, risk-taking, boldness, and audacious request, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is presenting and platforming an interesting idea here to the disciples. And the story isn't really supposed to illustrate the heart of the Father. It's supposed to illustrate the power of persistence. Actually, if you read... Luke 11 onwards, you'll see eventually that Jesus also platforms this idea of a, an earthly dad who knows how to give good gifts. How much more does your heavenly father love and know how to give great gifts? So we know the story isn't really giving us a picture of God. It's showing us the power of persistence. And Jesus says, what friendship couldn't unlock, perseverance will. What friendship won't unlock and unbind in this moment? What friendship won't bring as you need actually persistent requesting will? My concern is this. I mean, I'm only 34. I consider myself relatively young. I know compared to a lot of you, I'm not that young. But I, I consider myself fairly young. But one thing I'm seeing already across the church in the UK is an unwillingness to get really focused in prayer. I'm seeing it. And kind of, we've tried everything else. We've tried great leadership principles. We've tried great books, great speakers. We've tried appealing to people on the basis of emotive moments. But actually, the only thing that's going to move the church forward in the UK and in New Zealand and in Auckland is prayer, right? And actually, even only if a fraction of you, if only 10% get this today, you could change the face of Auckland forever. I've read so much revival history and it's always underwritten by a small few who are persistently and earnestly praying. Goes on. Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Well, we're good at asking. But he goes on. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Here's a promise. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds and so the one who knocks the door will be opened sometimes i just think oh god would you do this okay don't worry about it not today get on your knees get on your knees how much do you really love auckland man how much do you love your nation how much do you love your unsaved spouse or your unsaved kids are you willing to get holes in your jeans because every day you're on the floor just going jesus would you open up a door here would you make a way here it's so important that we get an amazing prayer culture in our churches. And I, I kind of know that this is really on Pastor Sam's heart. And I know that you are cultivating something phenomenal in this place. But make no mistake about it. Your music's amazing. Your leaders are amazing. The preaching is amazing. But the thing that is going to change this city is the church praying. Every time. Every time. In fact, yesterday when I was uh, working out. I like just to throw that in there because you may not realize, but I have got a six-pack hidden in here really deep. It's an incredible six-pack. My wife loves my six-pack that no one sees, only her. In fact, she doesn't see it, to be honest, because it's not actually there. Uh, but yesterday, as I was on the cross chain, I was like, God, would you give me a picture or a word or something so that I can bless this house today? And uh, I felt that he kind of gave me this picture, and I kind of... I give it to the leadership, but I also give it to you as a church. It's a safe word. It's not a daring word in the sense that the leadership wouldn't have any resistance to it. So I feel safe sharing this. But I sense that there was a big wall before you that you needed to kind of get through, okay, as a church. Maybe this applies to you individually as well. But there is some kind of stronghold or resistance that is blocking you to your destiny as a church, okay? 
kind of like a Jericho moment. And it's interesting because in Joshua, we read that God's instruction to Joshua was to march around the walls, right? To blow a trumpet and celebrate victory, even though the walls hadn't come down at that point. Like to work in faith and also to march in faith and to praise in faith. But I didn't get the sense that God was saying, this is what you needed to do to get through this wall that is resisting you from your destiny. I felt God was saying, you've got to undermine the foundations by going deep. That the way that this wall is going to come down isn't clever leadership. And it isn't a new album, although I love that stuff. Like we, we buy them a lot in the UK. We love them. But it's actually the people coming together and deciding, you know what? We are going to undermine this wall from its foundations. Basically, we're going to go deeper than the problem. That's what I just felt God was saying. And I feel that's for you. And I feel that's for you, the people who call the Quippers Auckland home today. Actually, the thing that's going to unlock and unleash the next season of your journey is going to be measured by the depth that you're willing to journey in prayer and in the goodness and in the Spirit of God. That's what I just believe. So it's kind of interesting because a, a few years ago, maybe three years ago, I had this formative moment in praying in the UK uh, where we had some South Korean Bible college students, 30 of them, decide at their own expense they're going to come and travel to the UK and pray for our churches because they could see from a distance that we weren't doing what we should be doing, okay? So the Spirit of God had kind of just propelled them to, at their own expense, fly over to the UK to find a church that was willing. And they wrote to lots of churches, and we were the only church because I was kind of like, well, I want a great prayer culture, but I don't know how to do it. So let's just pull it in from overseas. Let's just do it. Let's just bring it back. See, in the UK... Uh, we're kind of, it's like our Premier League football. We, we kind of, it started with us, a lot of the nations that we went out to reach, but actually we've kind of lost our touch with the ball now. And so people are starting to come back and, and kind of rub it in our faces. So it's kind of cool, but it kind of sucks at the same time because I feel like I want to be a nation that's still sending amazing ministers of the gospel around the world. But hey, they came anyways, and they get off the bus after like 24 hours of travel, and they're all kind of up, and I'm like, cool, we're going to have dinner. And they said, no, no, we've got to pray. I was like, well, let's start with dinner, shall we? Oh, no, 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 no. We've got to pray. We've got to pray 24-7. I was like, um, it's, not, it's not really what we do here in the UK. What we do is we have an hour of power, right? And the power sometimes comes, but it's always an hour. You can guarantee it's going to be an hour. It's never going to run over an hour. It's the most punctual thing we're at is the prayer meetings in the UK, I tell you that. And I'm like, no, 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 we're going to establish a prayer room, and it's going to, going to be the boiler room for our week of mission. So just give us a room. And um, they, they says, you know, your people and us, we can just get into teams and praying. And in that, I just had this uh, kind of moment of dread where I was like, oh, no. They didn't get the memo on British prayer meetings. This is going to be a culture class of, clash of the highest degree, right? Because in the church of the UK, we have prayer club rules. Does anyone have prayer club rules? No, just us then. Okay, well, I'm going to launch into them. I don't care if you're tracking with me or not. I'm having a great time up here. All right, so prayer club rules. Thank you for this as well. What's that for? Is that for my, like if I go TD Jakes? That's awesome. I'd do it. Ah, oh, that was a rubbish impression. I'm not even going to pursue it, to be honest. We have unspoken prayer rules in the UK. Now, I know that you guys are beyond this. But maybe back in the day you were like this, right? And here's the first prayer club rule that everyone knows but no one states. It's this. Are you ready? Sit in a circle. 
I mean, you know that God only comes when people form a circle, right? It's like a throwback to the Kumbaya days, you know? It's kind of like just the Holy Spirit loves it. He descends like a duck. This is my circle with whom I'm well pleased. He loves circles, okay? So we've got to form a circle. So, you know, these South Koreans get off the bus and they're just like pacing the ground and they start just speaking in the spirit. I mean, they could have been speaking South Korean, who knows? But like, let's just assume it was in tongues, but I couldn't interpret it either way. They were just pacing the ground and I'm like over here setting up my small circle of chairs. Like, hey, what are you doing? Just come and sit over here. Just chill out. We've got all week. Another rule is this. Everyone must pray at least once before we can finish. Put your hand up if you've ever been in a prayer meeting like that. Okay, that's, that's amazing. Your church is amazing. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself then. There's four of us who can relate to prayer meetings like this. Okay, here's an important one. And this will apply to you, I'm sure. Right? You've got to practice the prayers in your head. You've got to, haven't you, right? You've got to practice the prayers in your heads before you bring them to the floor. But you've got to practice them. Get them sounding good, right? But, but there's a caveat to this rule, and it's this. Don't wait too long to pray, otherwise someone might steal your prayer. <laughs> and I mean, you're leaning into the spirit in the moment, but still it makes you angry because you're like, oh, I had that one nailed and you nicked it. And like for me, I, I love it when you remember the one thing that was asked to be prayed for, but everyone else forgot. And you're like, yes, I'm going to bring that one. I've got a great memory. That, and someone nicks it. You're like, that sucks. Right, number four. Be careful. Ah, oh, this one's so important. Right, this one's so important. Be careful not to pray at the same time as another person. Because I'm telling you, that is the most awkward thing in the world. When you go, you launch to pray and you're ready to call down the heavens and then Maureen cuts in front of you. You're like, oh man, Maureen. So awkward, Maureen. Awkward, Maureen. Get out of here. Should have gone back to South Korea with your friends. My gosh, awkward, Maureen. We, we've now got a rule that we implement at Sunny Hill and it's called the, the Titanic rule, which is that basically if you're a woman or a child, you always go first. That's how it works in our church, right? Is that harsh? I don't know. That's funny where I come from. Right. Five. This one's good. Remember to use relatively long words like sanctification. Because no one can really articulate what it means, but we know it impresses God, right? God's like, I was not going to do anything. But did you hear that? He just said Trinitarian. I'm going there. That's awesome. My gosh. There's also a good thing as well. Like you... If, if it's a long prayer meeting, you can feel free to assume the closet sleeper position. Has anyone ever done that? Where you kind of just like, you, you, you kind of do the prayer shape like this and you just tilt your head. And you got, you, the, the problem is this can be risky because like at any moment you have that drop moment. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, whoa, did anyone see me right now? I kid you not, right? I was in one uh, e-group right, at our church. And it was about eight weeks after having our first child, Caleb, right? And, and I was just not prepared for how much sleep I wasn't going to have. And I remember I started leading. I, this isn't a lie. This is how, this, I'm, a, I'm a really bad pastor, right? But I just say, well, let's pray because I'm thinking I, I really don't have the energy to lead this session, right? And it was a daytime kind of, it was only much smaller. So a lot more forgiveness in the place. And there was a lot of old people there. And um, they started praying, right? This is so bad, right? I kid you not, I woke up about 40 minutes later 
I'm, I'm not even joking. Ask my wife. I woke up and I'd left my seat at some point and I was now on the floor. And the thing that woke me up is I felt dribble going down my face. I was like, what? And it's so awkward because, like, you kind of encourage a moment of prayer, but you just kind of just. And then I'm kind of waking up and I'm, I'm trying to play it cool. I'm like, yeah, she and a kanda saplanto kiana. Yes, Lord. Thank you that we can rest in your presence, Lord. You're so good. You know, it's a, it's a scary thing coming to my church. Another thing is this. Quote scripture, even if it's not relevant. Anyone got a kind of irrelevant scripture quotas in the church? Maybe, maybe you won't put your hand up. Right, even if it's not hermeneutically accurate, it's pretty impressive. Here's another one. Right? Feel free to sing a song that everyone knows. Don't sing stuff from 200 years ago where none of us were around and none of us have a clue what you're talking about. I remember one prayer meeting and they're singing, well, I found out it's Crowning With Many Crowns. And there's a verse in that that says, do you know that song, Crowning With Many Crowns? No, fair enough. There's a verse in there that says, a crown, a scepter sways. And I'm like, what are these words about? But more importantly than the song you've agreed, it's agreeing a key. Because there's nothing worse than it's getting higher and higher and higher and higher. That's horrible. And then, you know, number eight, you've got to get more people there. Because the more people you have, the more powerful it is. See, it's kind of interesting because Jesus challenges us to rise above all of that religious nonsense of Britishness, of conservative, middle-class apathy, to rise above it or sink beneath it and get to the root of problems in prayer. And start asking and seeking and knocking on the door of heaven. In fact, it's kind of interesting because just in case Jesus' disciples don't get it, in Luke 18, we read this. Jesus told his disciples, verse 1, a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So just in case you're not understanding the stories, kind of Luke helps you out. He told them a story to tell them they should always pray and not give up. Here's the story. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, verse 3. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary, grant me justice against my adversary, grant me justice against my adversary. Verse 4, for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow is persistently bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I mean, that is one mean-spirited widow right there. But she is relentless, totally relentless in her pursuit of getting the thing that she wanted. You know, I've We've been away now from England for like two weeks, two and a half weeks. And I've locked me and my family out of our hotel twice already. I'm like the most disorganized person ever. But when we were in Melbourne, before we came to New Zealand, uh, we had our kids in one room and, and us in the other room. And I locked both the keys behind a door. And it's about 11 o'clock at night. And it's hard breaking that news to your wife when she's coming back from somewhere. <laughs> it's kind of funny if you think about it. They're all locked in. I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, if you're in a Christian mood. And she says, what are you going to do about it? So I go down to reception, and I think, well, they should be able to sort this out. But the reception's all closed off. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, my word. And I'm looking around, and because of my jaded kind of sketchy past, I look to see if I can break into reception. So I'm checking all the weak kind of 
vulnerable position in the door and in the open hatch and I'm knocking everything and I say I can get my hand in through here and I'm trying to find a bolt and I can't find one. To be honest, even if I get in there, I don't know what I'm going to do because I've never programmed a key card in my life, but I thought I'm going to learn this day because my kids are locked upstairs and so I'm going to find a way and literally for about 45 minutes, I, I'm searching and I'm looking because the stakes are high and eventually I get my just reward and I get the key I need and I get back into the room. But it's an interesting thing when you've got something that you just can't back down on. Not getting into that room was not an option. Like, it, I, I had to kind of break the law <laughs> to get into the room. Because, like, there was nothing going to stop me from recovering a key that was going to unlock kind of access to everywhere I needed to go. What room are you in that you need to get that same kind of uh, grit deep in who you are? Maybe as a church, it's the room of a new premises, you know? Maybe it's a new anointing in healing. You see, unbelievers are drawn to the presence of God. Maybe it's just a new longing for a new move of God in this place. Like, but whatever it is, get it so deep in here that walking away from this request is not an option. Sometimes we're just too indifferent. We're just, oh, I didn't work, never mind. No, 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 go back to the Lord. Go back to the Lord. Go back to the Lord. He invites it, he wants it, he responds to it. Let's jump back to uh, Luke 12, and the keys player can come back up if he wants now, because your musicians are great. Who's the guy who sings here with the Adidas jersey? Daniel. Daniel. He's amazing, isn't he? He's like the coolest. At Shout Conference, I turned to Louise and I says, I want to be like him when I'm older. That's what I want to be like when I'm older. He's the coolest guy ever. Let's jump back in light of what Jesus has taught the church in the Gospel of Luke. Acts 12, verse 6. So Peter's kept in prison, but the church, everyone say, but the church, was earnestly praying for him. Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. In other words, in the physical, nothing's going to shift. But verse 7, listen to this. Suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared. Sometimes we get so church, we don't get wowed by stuff like that. Like an angel had come on heaven assignment, had kind of left heaven to respond to the instruction of God who was responding to the request of the church. The angel in the cell over here was a direct response to the church praying over here. That's incredible to me. So this angel come and light shone in the cell and he struck and actually in the original text it's like he smacked Peter, like literally he smacked him hard, like literally the prayers of this church smacked Peter upside the head, right? And Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Like even for Peter, this was crazy. Verse 10, they passed the first gate and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. Who knows that when the church prays, chains come loose. Who knows that when the church prays, people walk free. Who knows that today? Come on. When the church prays, people get out of their position of apathy. We say, but God, do something. 
God say, church, do something. I'll respond to your passion. I'll respond to your lead. In fact, Isaiah the prophet says, give yourself no rest and him no rest until he establishes Zion. Like literally, like Isaiah is prophesying the oracle of God and God is saying, listen, I invite you to not let me sleep or slumber. Keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep pushing for your spouse, keep pushing for your children, keep pushing for your city, keep pushing for your colleagues. Listen, you can change the atmosphere, you can change the city, you can change the nation, but it starts in this moment of desperation of prayer, of just saying, God, unless we do something, God, Nothing may happen. And so Peter walks, and it's kind of interesting. Followed him out of the prison. Verse 10, they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. I love this. Listen to what the gate did. In fact, read it with me. It opened for them by itself. No, it didn't. (laughs) It's a gate. It's an inanimate object. It's like has no emotive will. The gate didn't go, I'm going to open now. The prayers of the church forced the hinges of this iron gate to open wide so that Peter could leave captivity. When they had walked the length of one street, I love this, suddenly the angel left him. He's like, well, you're on your own now, Peter. This is freaking me out. Like, he's out of it. Like, this angel's gone. It's kind of interesting because... Peter came to himself. He says, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, just a little detail there, where many people had gathered and were praying. So now we're seeing the connection. Luke's making the connection between what's just happened in the prison cell going right back to the prayer meeting. Kind of interesting. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda, I don't know why her name's in there, but came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door. Stupid woman. That's why she's in there. Luke wanted everyone to know this name Rhoda, who left the most wanted fugitive in Jerusalem in the days of the early church on the doorstep in need. And it's kind of interesting because Rhoda goes to the prayer meeting, but she's not the worst in this story. Because what we read is verse 15. This is the response to the prayer meeting. You're out of your mind. Are you kidding me right now? You're out of their mind, out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Does no one else find that ridiculously funny? Like it was easier for the early church that were praying to believe that Peter's angel had rocked up at the house. Like it was an easy, oh, it must be his angel. What, what, what's, what's this church smoking right now? <laughs> That's nuts. But yeah, we see something crazy unfold because actually what we read is, you know, they kept his angel, they said he must be his angel. But Pete kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I mean, sure enough, he walked out of a prison cell. Sure enough, he walked out of an iron cell. But getting to a prayer meeting was a whole different story. My gosh. It's kind of interesting. And I'll tell you why. Because actually, maybe this early church isn't too dissimilar to our church where sometimes we're struggling to muster the faith to believe that God can do something significant 
Or maybe that God can respond to the prayers and petitions of his people. Maybe this early church was sat in a circle because actually the shape is kind of irrelevant. Or Luke is trying to prove, hey, listen, Peter was in stuck, he was messed, he was up the creek without a paddle, but the church was earnestly praying and they saw results even though they couldn't believe it at first. And so I want to say to you, maybe you've come here today with a lot of faith, maybe you've come here with a slim slice of faith. But either way, if you come and seek God, He is so good. The Bible tells us that His goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Like literally have to be finished by five, right? Five, yeah. That literally sometimes we think we have to pursue the goodness of God. Like there it is, let's run to it. Like the grace of God. Like, But you know in Romans, Paul says it's His grace that leads us to repentance. That actually in Psalm 23, it says, goodness and mercy follow us. Like even when we're in our lowest ebb of our walk with Jesus, goodness and mercy is right behind us all the time. And so like really, I don't want you to go with a legalistic idea, oh, I need to pray. I want you to go feeling empowered. I get to pray. I get to pray for my family. I get to pray for my city. I get to pray for my spouse. I get to pray for my colleagues. I get to pray for myself. And I can trust that the goodness and mercy of God will follow me all the days of my life. Listen, I want to end now because... Well, I just need to. But after these South Korean students had gone back home, I kind of felt stirred by, I guess, three giants, spiritual giants in our town that we needed to bring down. The first was an Islamic mosque. I don't want to get controversial here, but I didn't want it in my town, right? Um, the second was a Masonic Lodge. I don't know if you have Freemasons over here, but over our way, that's problematic for the church. It's kind of challenging. And the third thing was a sex shop, a shop that was selling pornography. And they were selling it to kids on their way home from school and stuff like that. And they were just about to plant a new church. Uh, sorry, a new shop. But it is a church for people, right? Planting a new camp. They were going multi-campus. And um, they were starting to plant divisions around that. It was a strategic thing of Satan. I just believe that the hell is such an organized regime. And they were trying to get into the minds of our young people and kids. And, and so we would be praying as a church. And we'd be like, oh, come on, let's just pray into this. And I decided, come on, let's do a 24-7. And let's just literally not give God any rest. So we got a 24-7 prayer room. And those were our hit points. And at about two in the morning, I was in the prayer room on my own. I was covering that slot and I felt God say, pray for the sex shop now. And I was like, okay, I pray right now, Lord, that your hand would come and just shut that shop. Lord, would they go into liquidation right away? And I felt God say, no, 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 go down to that shop right now. I'm like, Lord, it's two o'clock in the morning. It's like 20 minutes away. And like, I don't want to leave the prayer room because like this church isn't that secure. Even though it's his church, he can look after it. I was like trying to find a way out. I was like, I'll do it, Lord. It's all good. You go to the shop. I'll man the fort, right? Felt God say, walk down there. So anyways, I, you know, you tussle with God for a little bit, but eventually you just think, oh, let's just get it done. And so I set off and I start walking to the shop. And sorry, drummer, but for right now, you're going to be my sex shop, okay? <laughs> and no one's ever going to look at you the same again. You dirty boy, you dirty boy. Um, I'm kind of walking and I'm like, okay, Father God, would you just shut this shop down? And at that time, I'd been reading a lot about blessing and curses. So I was just like, Lord, I just command this curse to be broken over our city. And I felt God say, go and lay your hands on the shop. 
I was like, Lord, it's like 20 past two in the morning. If one of my parishioners drive past and see their pastor <laughs> holding the shop that sells pornography, it's not going to be good. But I'm like, you're the boss. So I'm like, here. So if I mess this up. And I felt God say, start speaking in tongues. So I'm like, you're kidding me. And I can hear cars driving past. I'm thinking, I bet Maureen drives past any moment now. Flipping Maureen, she's always there. And I just felt God say, do it louder. So literally, you've got to try and understand what this looks like from an unbeliever's perspective, or maybe even from your own perspective. This weird guy holding a shot with his hands, like speaking elvish or something like really loud into the shop window and I'm doing it and I'm just like I find my zone and I'm just like okay Lord I'll keep doing it until you say stop and then literally I someone taps me on the shoulder and it's a policeman <laughs> I like uh, I, I was in the spirit I was calling down the third heaven at this point I'm like shianakanda sapanta shianakanda sapanta kianakanda sapanta kianakanda sapanta kianakanda Sound like a Portuguese kind of bachelor, but um, you know, this policeman says, "What are you doing, pal?" I says, "Well, you're not going to believe this." I says, um, "I said I passed to a church, and uh, we we're just praying, and I felt God say that I need to come down and lay hands on this building because I want it to go." And he's like, "Why won't I believe that?" I was like, "Well, because I'm struggling to believe it, to be honest." But fair enough. And he says, okay, cool. He says, do you need any help? And I was like, well, do you pray? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't believe in God. But he says, we want this gone because it's messing with our kids. He says, I'll, I'll leave you to it. And he just wandered off. And literally for the next 20 minutes, it, it was nothing like crazy impressive. I was just speaking in tongues because I really didn't have the words. I didn't really know what to pray. So I just allowed the spirit of God just to flow through me. And, and so I'm laying on the hands. And this morning, you, you heard Bruce talk about the power that is in that. And literally, I just felt God say, okay, it's done. And I'm like, well, it was like that Joshua moment. You know where Joshua gets to this massive Jericho, and it's huge. And God says to Joshua, he says, see, I have delivered it into your hands. You know, if I was Joshua, I was like, no, you haven't. It's still there. <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> like you didn't get the memo. You've got to take it down and then tell me, see, you've delivered it into my hands. But God told Joshua to act on the seed of faith. And so he says, see, I've delivered it into your hands. And I felt that kind of revelation in this moment. Sorry, pal, I don't know what your name is, but I feel really bad about this. But kind of, I think it's funny at the same time as well. Um, I felt God say it's done. And so I, I walk back and I'm kind of rejoicing. I decide to adopt the pros, uh, posture of praise and thanksgiving. So I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you for using me to deal with that, Lord. I look forward to hearing about it going in Jesus' name. That was about the Friday. So funny, on the Monday... Someone post this newspaper into this thing uh, through my letterbox and they'd highlighted this bit where out of the blue on Saturday that shop just went completely under and literally they had decided that they were going to pull all of their intentions to put these shops in other places and by Tuesday the whole thing was boarded up, staff were laid off, it was incredible, only God can do that. And so it's so cool because I've got so many testimonies of where I've tried to operate in faith and nothing's happened. But this was one of the good ones that actually worked out and it was amazing. And I was able to stand up in my church and say, listen church, this shit down. And I believe it's because we as a church gathered to earnestly pray. 
Because whilst we were locked in the prayer room saying, how can we have a but God moment? God was like, can we have a but the church moment, please? And so as we responded in faith, you know what? Within about two months, the whole thing had been demolished to ground zero. The whole thing is gone now. It's not in its place anymore. It's amazing. Thank God for that. And I want to invite you tonight to get the same desperation and urgency to pray for your city. So if you want that, stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this evening. If you don't, it's really cool to stay seated. What was impressed, like impressed upon me yesterday, whilst I was working out in the gym, I mean, I'm not great at working out. Like, I'm all right, I do a bit of cardio. But these three kind of jokers came into the gym and you could tell they weren't used to gym etiquette. They were just saw these things as toys. And so they jumped on the race bike for about 30 seconds and they went on the treadmill till they were tired after 45 seconds. Then they tried to pump some iron and realized that was quite hard, put that down. And I think we've kind of got Christians who operate like that. Like we worship a bit and we read the Bible a bit and we pray a bit, but when it gets a bit cumbersome, when it gets a bit heavy, we kind of come away from it. And you know what? We never really form the muscle to see something through but you know to grow muscle and to get fit you actually have to tear your muscle you have to actually yield yourself to the weight that you're underneath and learn to lift it and push it and lift it and push it and the next time you get in the saddle you can lift more weight and you know what I felt that God was just saying that that's what he wanted you guys to do he wanted you to get in the seat and not get out of the seat until he says okay it's done so start praying for stuff in faith that things can come down so let's pray Father God right now in Jesus name I pray for my brothers and sisters in this house, Lord. I just pray, God, that they would know a new anointing in prayer, God. Father, that they would begin to operate like that church in Acts 12, that they would earnestly pray for the deliverance of the many captives of Auckland City, Lord God. I pray, God, that they would begin to operate in faith, speak by faith, live by faith, God, and they would see spiritual things shift, Lord God, that they would see giants come down, Lord God, that they would prepare themselves for a season of getting lower than the foundation of the opposition they're standing before, Lord God. I pray, God, over brothers and sisters in this room that are facing personal giants, Lord God. I pray that you will give them the spirit of persistence, God, to just go for it, to keep enjoying, to keep saying, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, I'm going to knock, I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, I'm going to knock, I'm going to keep moving, I'm going to keep speaking, I'm going to keep praying, Lord. I just pray in Jesus' name, God, this evening, Lord, you would just deposit something of your Holy Spirit in this church to pray like they've never prayed before, to ask like they've never asked before, to seek like they've never seen before, to knock like they've never knocked before, God. Right now, I just pray that you would release something of your Holy Spirit on this house, on this church, into this new season, God, that they would see Jericho's fall, that they would see Goliath come down for your glory, Lord. I pray that you would do this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.